Welcome to the Laravel IO podcast. My name is Sean McCool. I'm here with Taylor Otwell and Jeffrey Way. If we want to talk about how amazing you are at Red Alert 2, Taylor, we can get started that way. <laughs> I'm rusty. No one will play me. No one has the game anymore, so no one will play me. That's too bad. <laughs> I'm 10 years too late. Uh, my problem is I just can't find the F in time. It's just <laughs> I, I, I'm like, oh, man, Taylor's going to play Red Alert 2, and I think it's amazing, but I, I'm spending all my evenings coming up with interesting ways to make myself more overworked than I already am. Yeah, it's probably good I don't play it anymore, honestly, because it would just take too much time, and I would get way behind on Laravel, so... I don't even know what this is. Is it an old PC game or something? Yeah, it's an old RTS game, like a you it's know, a like sequel a to Command and Conquer, game. basically, like a oh. offshoot. Yeah, like back in the Windows, like ninety eight days. <laughs> Pretty old school, but it was so simple. Like it was the simplicity is what made it so perfect. It was just you didn't have to think too hard about it, but it was just really fast paced and fun. I liked it. I think I'm one of the only developers who never really got into that style of game. I'm really old school. Yeah. Like I like like the Mario. Yeah, and I can't get into the long games. I never games, got into like the really tedious games, like Civilization. Oh, so tedious! No, Civilization is the best game ever made. Yeah. The problem is it takes way too long. Well, yeah, it's good. Yeah, it is good. It's just yeah, it takes too long. And like even Skyrim, like I get so overwhelmed with like. No kidding! I think you get to a certain age, you just can't do it anymore. Yeah, You're not I mean, a teenager it's like, anymore. It's like harder than real life. Like, I mean, it's so complicated. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sean doesn't want to say how many hours he's putting in the Skyrim. Well, see, the thing is, like, I'm I'm pretty good at sandbox games, and when I say good at at them, I, what I really mean is, I create my own fun, and yeah. you know, sometimes I don't I don't finish the game or whatever. I just play through and like make a vampire character and make a little vampire lair and find find where, like, homeless people sleep so I can go and suck their blood and stuff like that. And then, you know, after 30 hours, I'm done or whatever. I don't know. I, I make yeah. my own fun, so. Yeah, I need to do that because at the end of the day, I find myself wondering, like, today would have been a lot better if I would have sucked someone's blood today as a vampire. <laughs> I should try that on Skyrim. You should just play Rocksmith. <laughs> What's that? Or you plug in a real guitar to your computer or whatever and... Jam along oh, yeah. with songs. Yeah, I actually played Guitar Hero for the first time ever in my life when I went to Branson a few weeks ago. That was pretty fun, actually. Yeah, music's nice. <laughs> anyway, Laracast. <laughs> <laughs> it's a thing. It's ins- There's like a new screencast every ten minutes. Yeah, I'm having fun with it. You know, are these? I, now, I don't. Are these pre-recorded? Like, are you doing these every day? <laughs> are you? Is, are they live day. whenever someone hits play? It's basically <laughs> like I finish recording and then I publish it 30 minutes later. So okay. somebody was like, hey, you should start scheduling them. And it's like I'm at a point right now I'm cranking out everything I produce. So I'm not to that yeah. point yet. And maybe we'll get there eventually. But I just love the idea of like every day there's just a couple new things to pick up. And, you know, like yeah. each one, it's like 10 minutes long. So it's something you can watch on your lunch break, you know, yeah. um, I like the idea. I, I don't think you see this with really any other framework in the PHP world. And, you know, like no. I, was, I was telling somebody um, in a year or so, there's going to be like hundreds of videos on the site. So, like, when it comes to training, no one's going to beat Laravel, you know? Yeah, if you think about it, like, the, the CodeIgniter versus Cake PHP days, it's like, really, I think it kind of came down more than anything to uh, CodeIgniter's documentation. They had that little drop-down yeah. thing. And that was yeah. so great. Um, so if we get to the point with Laravel where... Um, even like I, I, I publish free stuff every week too. It's not all 
yeah. behind a, a membership wall, fortunately. But um, yeah, in a year, it's it's going to be pretty awesome, I think. Yeah, that'd be cool. We need to think up some ways to kind of tie in those videos to the documentation and stuff because it'd be cool to go to a page of the documentation and see like, oh, here's a there's a Lara cast on that. Yeah, that was the original idea. It was like, what if you had your documentation and for every single one of those uh, pages, you could watch it uh, in video form or if you prefer or if you prefer written, you can do that, too. You know, because there's yeah. just a certain type of person. They need that kind of that visual uh, yeah. way to learn. And some people aren't that way. Uh, I am. Yeah, I but it's, it's always a, code. it's always a benefit. Right. And not yeah. only that, um, you tur- you can turn over a video fast enough to where you're not worried about. The video is becoming out of date because that would be my concern. Um, I'd be making a bunch of videos. Something would change. They'd be out of date and I'd be tracking all over the place trying to figure out how to keep up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's that's hard with with any video site. Like I also work for uh, Envato and we have like the touch plus premium thing and we have the exact same problem, especially like with some of these JavaScript frameworks. Like we'll release a course and four months later it is not just dated, but it's irrelevant. You know? Right, it's like Ember <laughs> data stuff, right? Yeah, and it's like these courses are expensive for us. We spend thousands and thousands of dollars to get them commissioned. So it's not like you can easily just throw it away when it's done. Um, so, yeah, I think that was sort of the idea behind Laracast is just constant uh, content. And then if I do need to update it, um, it doesn't take me very long because I've been doing this a long time. Um, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty excited about it, I think. Yeah, it's totally insane. Just when I, I just I just watched, you know, the remote one you just did just today, I guess. And uh, yeah, that was really cool. Speaking did, of which, I just um, added a new co- a new command related to that, actually. Yeah, I saw you. You uh, what is it called? Tail. Yeah, I was tail. looking at the commit. So, what exactly does that do? I haven't played with it. Yet. So, um, if you're not familiar um, for us or for the listeners, the tail command will like tail and then the dash f and then the file name will kind of open like a running stream of a log file and kind of un- it will output new lines kind of as they happen. So that's kind of handy locally, but also um, sometimes like you want to tail like a production log file and just see like what's happening on your server kind of as it as it's live. And so now um, with the new remote.php config file where you kind of configure all your remote servers like you showed in the um, in the screencast, now you can just say PHP artisan tail and then one of those servers, like say, for example, staging or production, and it will actually um, – SSH into the server and tailed the log file and then spit out the logs kind of as they're happening. So it's like a live debug almost of your remote servers, which is pretty slick. And then if you don't specify a server, if you just say PHP artisan tail, then it will just kind of do your local file kind of just as a shortcut um, for tailing your local log file. Are you able to uh, declare an array of log files? Because when I do tail, I, I have, for example, I have this make file that I just built where yeah. I can just tail all of my log files, my Laravel log file, my FPM log file, everything yeah. all at one time. Well, what we did in 4.1, we consolidated all the Laravel logs into one file. Laravel oh, so there's not log. like a CLI? No, log. there's not a CLI no. and there's not like an Apache log. It's just one Laravel.log. That's, and oh, that's so better. It will tail into just that file. And also out of the box, like this is all kind of user land code. So the, like in your global, uh, or your start slash global file where that log stuff is set up, we changed the default there to not be the daily files anymore and it just be like one log file. And kind of, if you want to change it back to how it was, you know, you can do that in like one line, changing that one line. But it just makes it a little simpler, I think, out of the box, just to have that one file you can always go to. 
and tail or whatever. So yeah, that's really nice, actually. I, I find it like I had to write a little shell script to determine the date and everything and choose the yeah. right log files for me. But just having yeah. one file is, is a lot more pleasant, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's pretty slick. I mean, and you can even pass a, uh, I don't know if this would be a great idea in production, but you can say like PHP artisan tail and then do um, dash dash SQL, the SQL switch, and it will catch all your queries as they happen to and dump those out to the logs. Like if you're not normally doing that anyway, um, it will it will turn that on just for that that session, you know, so you can see those as well. So how does it do that? How does it persist that it, configuration? It when you first hit the tail command, it will uh, subscribe to the query event on the event listener and then just log those out to your logs while that's active. And, uh, you know, it pipes it all back out to your server. So pretty cool. Yeah, I think that whole remote com- component is nice. You're getting a little bit of flack for, which I think is really unfair. You know, it's really? it's hard. Yeah. Well, I mean, you've seen some of the stuff on Twitter, you know, just the people where it's like, oh, that wouldn't be useful for any uh, big development team. And it's like, oh, well, fine, yeah. then it's not for you, you know, but there's plenty yeah. more people where it's like one developer, your your personal projects or even yeah. these small teams where, you know, there's a few developers and this is perfect for that. You know, everything doesn't yeah. have to be some massive uh, Facebook app or something. Yeah, well, even at Userscape, we we will, you know, we'll use the Laravel deploy stuff and SSH and all that because, it's just us three, and we just have a couple servers, and it's just the simplest way, you know, for us to do it. Yeah. It's it's sort of like the queue stuff where people would, like, um, some of the flag for push queues, you know, where it's like there's network yeah. latency. And it's like, well, yeah, yeah, there is, but not everyone's building these massive sites, you know. Yeah, I would I'd say the majority have... are not, you know. Yeah, and I think, like I, like I said on Twitter, I'd rather have one network call than five. So if, if I can queue one... Or if I can queue five to only have one, to me that's a win, you know. So I don't know. I think it, it's just a good way for people to get started in the, the whole concept, you know. And maybe you graduate from Puskus at some point, but it should still save you some time if you got quite a few network calls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's the remote. That remote screen uh, Laracast was cool. I like that. And there's just so many. Did I do something wrong? Connect the. Uh, the all right. When you're specifying your connections, you have uh, one of the keys is root. And I think I mm, might have used yeah. that wrong. What is that? That refers to the base directory when, yeah, once you log the, in? Yeah, just the base directory of your Laravel install once you log in. Yeah, that's just so um, – gosh, what is that for? It's that if you don't specify a log file I – did, I didn't mention this earlier, but the tail command, you can also say dash dash path equals and give it like a path to any log file. Um if you don't specify that, I need to know some way to guess that to get to that default log file. So that root directory just tells me where your Laravel install lives on that server. So oh, if it's okay. at slash var slash www, then I can you know build out the path from there. But like on our servers, like at Userscape, it wouldn't be that default path. So it gives you a way to kind of specify where your Laravel install lives. Ah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's kind of like a, I don't know, it all feels kind of magical when you're doing it. I kind of like it. It's just kind of convenient. saves you some keystrokes. I was worried that you might have a problem with with Laracast because, like, you had talked about doing something like this for a while. And Mm. then I I remember chatting with you a bit, and you you said you weren't going to do it. So I was like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was always be a cool idea in my mind. Like, I'd always thought about it, but. I just the time kind of got away from me, you know, and I don't I wouldn't have the time to do it, nor nor really like the video podcasting experience, you know, to really pull it off. So 
Yeah. I think that's what that's, I think that's when I decided I would write the book instead because it was something I could do um, a little easier given my current like the amount of time I had. Oh, and plus, of the book. Plus, go ahead. Plus, other projects, other Laravel related things came up that are coming out soon, so it all worked out good. And really, what's I mean, what's good for Laravel is good for all of us in the long run. So I, I'm just glad it's turned out so awesome. It's really impressive. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I, it, it seems to be doing pretty well. Um, I don't know how long I can keep up. Like, I'm worried, like, will I eventually run out of content? I don't think I will because it's like it doesn't have to be specifically Laravel. It's like the whole the whole ecosystem, you know? Yeah. Yeah, there is a lot. There's a lot of stuff surrounding Laravel, just front end stuff, uh, server stuff, deployment stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of extra stuff comes with web development, I guess. Now, did you did you actually build this site yourself? I mean, you built the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty much all. I think you can tell. Like when I first launched, <laughs> there was some there was some crap in there, but uh, I figured it's better just to get it launched and slowly fix it up. Yeah, I mean, it's nothing too special, but really, I mean, it's just the content that you care about. You know, I'm not gonna like I'm not gonna try to compete with these sites like Treehouse where they have 80 different people, you know, on their staff. Yeah. It's not worth it, but it's cool just to have just nonstop content, I think. Yeah, just the lear- amount of learning resources are getting so extensive with Laravel. I think it, I think I've I've talked about before, but back in the Codeigniter days, you know, Codeigniter was so popular, I think, because of the documentation. And even though there were other frameworks that people felt were technically superior, like um, Kohana or Kohana. something like that, they I don't think they gained the traction specifically because of the documentation was lacking, you know, as much as the people that ran the project didn't think it was lacking. That's why I've always tr- I try to be really careful about like when people tell me the documentation is lacking and I'm tempted to say, oh, I don't think it's lacking. Like yeah, that, but it's, it's obviously I'm, lacking. Like, yeah, I'm falling into that Kohana trap. You know what I mean? Of they're constantly saying it's not lacking, it's not lacking, while their whole user base is saying it's lacking this. You know? <laughs> the the Laravel documentation is pretty good, actually, but in reality, there are things missing, and 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 yeah. that's okay. It, it, there's room for improvement, but I, I think there's a lot of documentation, and then it shows a lot of things, and that's great. Um, one thing about the Codenighter manual, um, it, it's it's very thorough, but it, yeah. it's a lot easier to be thorough when you're Codenighter versus like Symphony 2 or Laravel yeah. or something that's much more complex. Yeah, and I find a lot of the documentation kind of feedback I get is that the how to do something is there. It's like the context and like where to do it is a lot of times what people are asking me. Like I know how to make a view composer, but where do I put a view composer? There's no, so they kind of lose context for where stuff belongs. And that's always been a hard question for me to answer because it's kind of like, where do you want to put a view composer? You know what I mean? And, but we have to come up with some kind of, we have to recommend something, I think. Yeah. I mean, I think there is value in being opinionated. Like, yeah. we want to tell people, like, there's no rules. Do whatever you want. But it's like people are craving, like, just tell me what to yeah. do, you know? This stuff yeah, is it, complicated enough. Maybe it would be helpful to say, you can do whatever you want, but if you want a recommendation, put it in here. Yeah, here's a few ideas, you know? And, uh, yeah, so I think for 4.1, I want to do kind of – I want to read through every documentation page uh, in addition to all the pull requests we have, you know, that I try to merge – um, read through every page and just kind of beef up everything. You know, even if I think it's a little extraneous, just try to really beef up every page and have a big overhaul for the next release. So, 
I remember with Laravel 3, I went through the documentation, like you're saying, and, and wherever I could, I entered, uh, this is typically placed here and then a file name or something. Yeah. Um, I think that that's probably a pretty easy change to make or, or something. For me, I, I end up using service providers for so much that everything just goes yeah. on a service provider. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I find people, people kind of graduate to the service providers, I think, in that they do, they are handy, but at first I find people kind of, they don't, they're not really thinking in that mindset. They're still kind of like, kind of in a coding guider mindset where they expect like a pre-built, like, for example, composers.php file to be there and for everything to go in there. So, yeah, but I, I'm like you. I do eventually kind of – I find myself putting a lot of stuff in, in service providers. Like for a project I'm working on now, I just have like – I think I have one back-end service provider that kind of registers all my back-end stuff and then maybe a couple other ones. But they are a convenient way to kind of organize things. Right. So, like, if I have – a forum or something, I might make a forum service provider, and that way I, w- I take the models and uh, bind them to observers and everything there. So yeah. it's all it's like it's like a, u- a single use case as a service provider, and then all of the stuff that has to be done for that use case, yeah, inside that one. Yeah, yeah, it's tough because newcomers. I don't think I think that term service provider is pretty foreign to them. I'm trying yeah. to think. Maybe Silex had service. I'm trying to remember another framework uses yeah. that term too. Yes. Is it Silex? Yep, Silex. Uh, really, they're just really they're just kind of bootstrappers. I don't know. Right, what the it's, best it's like component startup code. Yeah, the idea behind service provider is like you're binding things into the IOC container, but that's not all you could do in a service provider. So they probably could have been better named in hindsight as just like a, a startup file or a bootstrap file or something like that. But I don't know. Hindsight's twenty twenty on that, I guess. But yeah, it, it did kind of come from Silex because Laravel 4 kind of at the bottom of things works a lot like Silex in terms of how things are bound into the container. And so the service provider concept from Silex was kind of a cool way to organize all that. And I talked a little bit about that with uh, Igor, the Silex maintainer, about that. When Laravel 4 was first getting rolling, we kind of talked about that concept a little bit. I really think it's a great concept, and I love the idea of having a single place to do all my bindings, et cetera, for something. So if I need to do Facebook integration and Facebook login or whatever, then I'll just make a Facebook service provider, and every single thing that has to do with that goes into that one class. Yeah. Yeah, they're handy. It is tough with the documentation stuff, though. It's like you're trying to appeal to so many different levels of developers. Like I even find that on Laracast. Somebody was giving me... Uh, for some video, I was getting a lot of flack because um, I was mixing a lot of technologies. Like, um, I can't remember what it was, unfortunately. Um, but it, it was just something like, oh, you can also resolve this out of the IOC container. And you start throwing around all these terms that to a yeah. certain level of developer is just kind of par for the course, you know. But you forget yeah. there's this other group where they don't understand that. Oh, it was repositories. Somebody was yeah. upset that, that to it's talk always about repositories, repositories. It's, always, <laughs> it's kind of annoying, but... Yeah, I've really screwed us there, haven't I? <laughs> well, well, it's tough because to talk about repositories, you also kind of have to talk about dependency injection. So you pull yeah. in the IOC container a little bit. You talk about uh, some design patterns. And then suddenly these people are, are very overwhelmed. And it's hard to say, like, you probably don't need repositories unless you know or recognize that you probably need repositories. You know, it's it's kind of hard yeah. to It really is to hard to, like, that. target to different people at once. Like, 
just as a thought experiment, you could say, let's take a look at the documentation and let's provide us uh, certain uh, types of information for each section. So maybe we have abstract information, maybe we have implementation information, maybe we have, um, you know, just different types of, of, of information for each part of the of the documentation. And then we can know that we're supplying everything that's important. But it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, documentation. That's always been a huge, gosh, that was like number one goal when Laravel first launched was got to have awesome documentation. I think it really helped in, gain initial traction, too. I mean, obviously, if I had no documentation, I think things would have gone a lot differently. But There's just so much that can be done. Um, you can go into each section and just say, hey, look, here's a chunk of code that represents both the controller and the view for yeah. pagination, for example. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to know. You know, I think a lot of people want the full thing. If you, if you can give mm-hmm. an entire example tutorial right there in, in the documentation, then, yeah. then that's what they're going to want. But it's, it's you have to kind of draw a line somewhere. Yeah, I think with with Laravel four point or with Laravel four point I the scaling back the documentation was somewhat intentional because I felt like the documentation had become like a little too verbose. And so I kind of scaled it back to being more kind of example driven and lost a lot more code samples and less kind of text in between so that you could quickly kind of scroll the code samples and and find what you want. But I think I'm going to need to go back a little bit the other direction, you know, in in the coming weeks as the documentation gets updated before the release next month and kind of take it a little bit farther with a little bit more text. Um, maybe it got scaled back a little too much, but have you seen Jesse O'Brien's cheat sheet? Yeah, that thing is sick. I love that thing. That's getting a <laughs> lot of traffic. Yeah. Like a ton of I traffic. I see it on Twitter every day. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That is uh that's an awesome cheat sheet. I'm just saying like, I think people actually just want a cheat sheet most of the time. <laughs> yeah. But I think once, a lot you, of it once is, you get the basics down, I think a lot of it is people, I don't know. It's like you never want to tell someone just to view the source because then you you have like I think it's arrogant. That's you know, a horrible, that. horrible approach. It's like, horrible, yeah. but then at the same time, if you're so incredibly verbose, like Taylor was saying, it gets a little overwhelming. So it's like you want to teach them enough to learn. Like a lot of flags sometimes about the documentation is there will be a couple methods that aren't listed on the documentation page. Right. Yeah. And it's like, well, I mean, just open you should be able to know to view the class. You know, if you want to look at form stuff, go to the form builder class. So uh, I don't know. It's, it, That's a lot easier in Laravel so 3, though. Like in Laravel 3, if you want to know something about forms, you go to the form class. But Laravel 4, there's a layer there. There's a layer away. Form builder class. Exactly. Um, a- but there, in Laravel 4, you actually need to probably go and find what classes are doing what. So if you want to learn about, you know, how to detect environments or something, you're going to be digging around for a little bit if you don't know, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that really the difference between Laravel 3 and Laravel 4 is a pretty big deal. And what works with Laravel 3, the providing the documentation, the suggestions to go and dig into a class, that doesn't work the same way anymore. Yeah, I think that's a good point in that Laravel, um, it was a lot easier for people to look in the source of Laravel 3. And with Laravel 4, I think, yeah, we do need a little bit more uh, a text in the documentation since it is harder to just pop open the URL class to see how URLs are generated or something like that. So, yeah, it's a good, I think if we, insight. I think if we took a couple hours and just said, and added a couple sections to the, the docs to say, 
here are the related classes. Here's where you can find some stuff. I think people would really appreciate that. Yeah, but it even definitely. comes like when people are editing source, and it's like, okay, um, doing the form again. All right, they they want to figure out something on the form class, so they access the form facade, and they have no idea where all their code is. From that point, unless you know how to do it, you have no idea how to get from that form facade to the actual form builder class. It's, it's like a bridge yeah. between the documentation and the API documentation. Maybe if we create a bridge between those two and say related classes and then yeah. list the classes that link off to the API and then have some small single sentence to say this class is responsible for this, this class is responsible yeah. for that. I think that that's a very reasonable approach. Yeah, I it's think too bad. it's too bad more people don't use things like C tags. You know, obviously for documentation it's good, but just for general workflow, like if you're using C tags, which you can Google it if you don't know what that is, then you can just do something as simple as like um, tag and then the name of the method. And then it doesn't matter what the class name is. It's going to take you to whatever class houses that method. So if you want to use something like um, select range, just do tag select range, and it doesn't matter what the class is. It's just going to take you there. Um, so from a workflow point of view, that stuff is really helpful. But yeah, from a documentation, that's that's a different uh, approach. I know at one point we had talked about... Um, even adding comments to the facade, like you'd go to the facade page and there would yeah. be some comment telling you, I'm sorry, a comment telling you what the underlying class is. Yeah. Uh, obviously, that, that could be happen. helpful. Well, there's not always an underlying class, though. I mean, yeah, it's exactly. like pointing to a service provider to where the accessor is defined, right? Yeah. Yeah. There, I mean, I think it'd be cool to have just a documentation day for me to, <laughs> in the next week or two, to just read through everything and beef everything up a little bit. So when's the next Laravel conference? Uh, next Laravel conference is going to be in April or May. Uh, so we're going to have a, a conference call. Myself, uh, Jessica, who's our conference organizer, and I think Ian will be on there too, just kind of talking about or uh, what kind of format we're going to take. Kind of just in preliminary discussions, we've kind of talked about having two full days instead of a day and a half. I don't, I mean, that's not set in stone, so don't hold me to it, but that's one idea we've had. And we also want to kind of brainstorm of ways to um, kind of have some more variety in the conference to where it's not just speakers all both days. So we have kind of a variety of things like maybe a few lightning talks or maybe a few kind of short workshops or two and then the kind of the traditional speakers some. So kind of a way to kind of mix things up so you're kind of a change of pace, you know, and you're not just sitting all day listening in one room. I think lightning talks are a good idea. I love that stuff. Absolutely. Every, every minutes, single person loves that. into five minutes. Yeah. We yeah. started a meetup here in the Netherlands. Every couple of weeks we go either my city or another city, and we talk about organizing the next European conference. So yeah. you should hit me up because we have a lot of ideas that we've come up with about how to better engage people because we were thinking that um, the first – European Laracon, our, our goal was to just make it something that people would, you know, say good things about, you know, we wanted it to be remarkable, we wanted them to remember it and, you know, have a, tell everyone how great it was, etc. That was our ultimate goal. But this year, our focus is on more giving people a positive social experience. So uh, giving uh, bonding people earlier, giving them uh, social groups to integrate with, because yeah. if you were at the, um, well, both of you were at the, the conference, uh, you, you'd see people wandering around and they didn't really know anyone. And um, I yeah. see I see that as a failure of the organization. So 
uh, this upcoming year, our ultimate goal is to uh, really get people into social groups so they can experience the the event with other people and be talking to them and learning from them. I think there's a, there's a difference between being a good event and being a great event, and it's in the social interaction. Yeah, for sure. Like, I'm curious, Sean. All right, so now that you've had some time to think of, of Laracon, what do you think went badly? Or uh, what would you do differently? Um, all, all in all, honestly, for our first event, I think it went really well. Um, it went really well. One thing, I think that the host, we need to have a host and an MC. So somebody who can interact with the audience and who's good with talking um, and, and, you know, kind of being fun and enjoyable. Uh, why the other person is directly relating with the speaker so that you don't end up with problems like, um, you know, maybe you're having trouble with your video or maybe you're having, you know, you're, we are talking about recording your video or something. It's not already started. If we have a host who's there hooking up the laptops and making sure everything is taken care of, that's great. But we didn't know this at, in advance, so we tried to kind of have one person do it all, which was me. And that didn't really go over so well because I was torn between trying to inform the audience about what was going on and also trying to take care of the speaker. So we're going to split that role into two people. In addition, uh, definitely I think that uh, people found the interactions awkward in between talks, like when we were having breaks. A lot of people had their little social groups built up, but... I did notice many individuals who didn't have a social group at all were looking around thinking, what am I doing here? You know, they were kind of just confused. They wanted to talk to people, but they didn't know anyone and didn't feel comfortable just butting into a conversation. It's the same thing with developers. You have all those different personality types. So I don't think it's weird for a developer to be uh, a little antisocial or not even antisocial, just more introverted. Like, um, no, I'm not going to give an example, of course. But <laughs> like like myself, I would say I'm, I'm not the most um, outgoing person. So, yeah, it's got to be hard because you're running a conference and you want to make everyone happy, but you have all these different personality types. Like there's just a group of people who they the idea of going out and drinking is not something they're into, you know, and yeah. that's sort of the traditional conference thing is you go to a conference and then you go out drinking, which surprisingly Laravel actually is, is on the lower end of that. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely like split uh, a lot more in the middle than you would expect for like a programmers. Programmers usually are on like the high end, stressed, alcohol, alcoholic yeah. type A personality necessarily. But um, for some reason, I, I noticed the Laracon, it, it really ends up split down the middle where some people just want to go and talk about code or do some hacking and other people want to go to a bar and like lower their inhibitions and get to know each other in that way. Uh, yeah, like a bunch of us went back to the hotel and just kind of hung out in one of the rooms. And um, trolled other know, people, right. Coding, and, and of course, <laughs> a little bit of trolling. But, uh, <laughs> it, it's hard because like uh, you often hear people complain about conferences that the, the speakers just hang out with the other speakers. And it's like, but that's not any kind of like uh, elitism. It's just they happen to know each other, you know. It's right. not like you could introduce yourself and they wouldn't be happy to include you. You know, it, it's just people naturally flock to the people that they, they sort of know. Um, yeah, it's, you, that comes up all the time at conferences. Speakers just hang out with speakers, and there's no point in going because they're not going to talk to you. And I really don't think it's that way at all. Just say hi. Well, it certainly wasn't that way with Laracon EU. Uh, the speakers no. dug into the, the social group as much as possible. And, uh, I, no, I mean, for, for next year, our number one goal 
is to bring everyone together. So every single change that you're going to see between 13 and 14 is going to be driven by that one concept. Yeah. I think that's something we've talked a lot about for the next Laracon US, too, is it's really just there's so much of it is in the social aspect of the conference and not so much the learning because a lot of the people that come to this conference, you know, they know a lot about Laravel already and they've maybe even contributed to Laravel. I mean, I recognize some of them from like pull requests and stuff and they're not so much coming to learn as they're just coming to meet everyone and hang out and have a good time. So Mm -hmm. I think facilitating the social experience is something we've, we're thinking a lot about too. And not only at the conference, but after the conference and, you know, during breaks and everything. So at the same time, that's, that's going to change. Like, so both the American and the European conferences, they were kind of, mostly populated by early adopters, small yeah. companies who are, you know, have freedoms in, in choosing their technologies more than, than larger companies. Going forward, you're going to see a lot more companies buying tickets. You're going to see a lot yeah. more, um, you know, slower uh, to adopt new technology type uh, groups. And I think it's it's really going to be the kind of thing where at the beginning, it was a lot of people wanting to meet each other because you know yeah. you're you're contributing to the framework you're contributing to the community you're you're one of the people who are you know putting themselves out there you know making themselves known and and talking and helping people and um, yeah. in these upcoming years you're going to see Laravel kind of grow more into a a tool that you know people are using to get things done which of course they are now but you know the people who are coming are like you know, pretty versed in it. I think yeah. that providing workshops that can take somebody from, you know, knows almost nothing to feels, you know, kind of okay. I think that's, that's pretty important. Um, we're looking at doing kind of like beginner workshops, uh, stuff that bring people from, I've kind of, I'm kind of familiar with Laravel to, you know, I can build something, uh, you know, five hours, four or five hours of actually sitting down and working with people who know what they're doing and asking them questions and directly interfacing with them. That's a a pretty big deal. And you can learn a lot that way. Yeah. And even if you know this stuff, I I don't know, like me personally, even if I'm watching a conference where I already know the stuff that the speaker's talking about, it's still enjoyable to me. You know, if only it's like, um, I don't know, reaffirming what the things I have figured out. If somebody else is the same way, it's like, okay, well, I am doing it right. You know, so many of us just kind of aren't uh, working in big development teams. So we're all slowly figuring out like how to how to structure these applications. So it's nice when you find somebody's doing it the same way as you. Um, Yeah, yeah, it's fun. One thing I would note is I noticed this a few times where. I would after the conference, somebody would would tweet me and say something like, nice to meet you. And I would realize that the person I was talking to at the conference was that Twitter avatar. You know, I didn't make the connection that they were the same person until I got home. So even if we had something where I think tons of people did. So even if we had something where your badge has your your Twitter avatar or your avatar image. I think that would be really helpful because that's all yeah. like we know people as little icons, you know, we don't know their faces. <laughs> little yeah, little right? icon and emotionless text. <laughs> well, like after I got home, um, you know, a, a guy had emailed me and said, thanks for talking to me at the conference or whatever. And it was um, it was Franz who has done a lot with the labor forums in the past. Yeah, Leadka. And 
I was like, holy cow, I don't remember ever talking to him. And like, I've talked to him a ton, like online, you know. And <laughs> he has a gear cog as his image on, on Twitter. Yeah. And, and like a lot of times yeah. with the, with the accents, I couldn't quite pick up their name well enough to associate it with like a GitHub account or a Twitter mm-hmm. account. And so I didn't even realize it until afterwards. I felt really bad. Well, I'm really excited about the American Lyricon conference, um, because yeah. I'm probably not going to come back to the United States until then, and that'll be a nice time to be back in the States, but also because I won't have to organize it, and I'll be <laughs> able to go to it and enjoy it and, and interface with people. Um, I really, I'm, I'm very regretful that I was not able to interact with more people that I know from the internet. Um, I, it was just a, it was just an unfortunate situation, but you know, it's, I guess, part of the job. Yeah. Yeah, it should be really good, I think. We should have a website up for it next month, hopefully, and um, with kind of more details and tickets and all that. So in the next four or five weeks, I assume you'll see something more on that. I'm curious how many people are going to go to this one, because I, I think it doubled just about. Correct well, me if I'm wrong, from the first yeah. Lyricon to Lyricon EU, it doubled? I don't know how – see, that's the thing about it. I don't know how to correlate the numbers, because <clears> – <throat> We are dealing with the European uh, and the American conferences, so they're two separate demographics. And we've always known that Europe represented a large amount of early adoption for Laravel. So mm-hmm. if you're in the channel, most of the people end up being from Europe. Um, that's changed in a way. You have a lot of Americans coming in now. But still, um, I think that f- at the very beginning, uh, Europeans represented uh, a-, a majority of the vocal and um, I don't know what you would say, active community base. Yeah. Um, that may be changing and, and whatnot, but I think it'll take until Laricon EU 2014 until we can have, you know, two sets of each conference to correlate the numbers. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, we're planning on, you know, quite a bit more than the first one, obviously, just because the community's grown a lot. And I think we're looking at venues, you know, for 250 people, so which would be quite a bit bigger than the first conference, but not outrageously bigger than the European conference, which was at like 180. Yeah, we had 185. Yeah, so we'll see. I don't know. It is hard to know. It's been a while. It will, You know, it will have been over a year since the last one, and a lot has changed since then. I mean, you just wonder what it's going to be like in five years or so, because like I don't yeah. see this like leveling off unless you just completely abandon it. And I think even yeah. if you just lost interest, the community would pick it up as best as they could. So yeah. I mean, I don't I know think where about it's that going to go in a few I, years. I think about I have like nightmares of that one day Laravel just collapses, but I don't think it's going to happen for a while. <laughs> Plus, we have new. Th- I mean, there's new things coming too. People, you know, things people don't know about that are going to change a lot and. That are I think really going to solidify Laravel's position as you know the go-to PHP framework for several years. Do you see a point, Taylor, where you start formalizing Laravel a little bit more? Where like, for example, like when jQuery <laughs> got huge, they had the yeah. Why is that funny? Why is that I'm funny? sorry. I'm thinking. I'm I'm just thinking in my head. Is Laravel going to get a spec? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not anything like that. As much as like. For example, when the jQuery project got huge, they, they ended up creating these sectors. Like, here's the documentation team. Here's the, the bug team. Here's the core team, you know? Do you yeah. see Laravel getting to that point where it has to be done because you just can't handle it all? I could envision that in theory, yeah. I could um, I could see that happening. Um, 
I don't know. I, I, I have people, you know, that the, a really helpful thing for me right now actually is there are people who just commenting on a GitHub issue can be really helpful for me. Like if they can kind of, if sometimes I have people that just like word it a little better, like, um, like Robo. Yeah. Or like, I don't even know his real name, but like Crino Bone or whatever his name is. Um, he's from Malaysia, I think. Um, but he, he gets on a lot of issues and will kind of, summarize them for me in a way like oh this is because of this and this file and even though he may not commit a fix like it makes it super fast for me to be like oh okay he's right i'll just fix this and it's just a few minutes you know rather than having to do that research myself to say why is this happening absolutely even that has been really helpful even if there's no pull request because the pull request becomes trivial by that point you're just kind of tweaking something kind of obvious um, the documentation has, has been really hard to collaborate on because, like, I wrote it all initially, and it becomes very hard to contribute to it without it sounding, like, very off. Like, if someone contributes a pull request that's not – it like, it'd be, like, a totally different style of how – of wording or whatever, and it comes out sounding, like, really uh, jarring in a way. Like, it changes styles really fast. So a lot of times I'll tweak those if they're just a little off. But that has been hard to make turn into a collaborative effort. Harder than I expected, actually. You know how you could resolve that? How? <laughs> you could appoint ahead of the documentation and then have them create a small team and then create a plan and then have them a- approach that from that angle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> one day, one day, I'll relinquish control of everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I can't see it in theory becoming. Becoming hard to maintain. I don't think it's quite there yet, especially since um, Userscape gives me a week a month to maintain things a little bit. And I've been doing better. I don't know if you've noticed, but since the last Laravel week, I've actually like maintained the issue level where it was when I left off, basically. You know, because I've been doing a little bit every day, which has made it a lot nicer. So I'm trying to close, you know, three or four a day, and it kind of helps me maintain until I can get a um, a full week to devote to it. I can't help but think, as a side note, that if you could find a, a very small team of people who could handle the documentation, that it would make a big improvement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I always feel like I'm kind of at an intervention when people bring things like this up because it's like sometimes I'll be ta- <laughs> sometimes I'll be talking with Ian and he's like, "You should really, you know, appoint a team to do some of this stuff." And then like other people will tell me like, "You should really appoint a team," and it's like. I kind of feel like I'm in trouble in a way, but yeah, I, I need. To, <laughs> well, the I, thing is, you get better at at handling these kind of things. So if you get somebody who can and come in and and you make yeah. them your go-to person who's in kind of in charge of that stuff, then yeah. if if for some reason they're not handling it in the way you'd like, you can set them straight a little bit and yeah. and have things well, done the way you want. Well, like we have we have done that in the past a little bit. For example, with the forums, I have I don't know who manages the forums anymore. <laughs> I don't even I don't even barely know if they're still online. You know what? Oh, I mean? they are. And um, <laughs> but just not having to manage that aspect was a huge was a huge load. I mean, because I was always doing stuff with that, so I feel bad for whoever's doing that. If that's still Sean, <laughs> no, no, I'm hosting it and I handle backups. But we have yeah. a, a group of people who are ma- uh, moderating it. Okay. If we had more designers <laughs> working on yeah. my new project, then we would be able to move on to that and be in a much easier position. Because you yeah. cannot have spam with GitHub authentication, which the new yeah. system has. Yeah, that's always been a little bit of an issue. Documentation, yeah. 
we could get to the point where that's easily maintained by a team, I think, hopefully. And I think it's separate from the code base. Like, I still think you should keep the code close to your chest, you know, at least for yeah. a while longer. But documentation, um, yeah. maybe eventually, that, that's kind of a different different ballgame there. Yeah, it is. <laughs> or just buy a bunch of packed books. <laughs> a so, bunch so, of what? A packed, oh, I'm sorry. I oh, yeah, packed on the 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 company I work for we have a, a collaboration with Pact Publishing. I'm talking about Lean Pub. Lean. I think there's yeah. another book yeah. in the last couple of weeks. Did you co-write that too? Because your name's on it, Taylor. Mm, I helped a little bit with the development the of it and kind of helped read it over and stuff and and gave ideas on the content. But I didn't contribute a lot to the actual um, actual text of the book. But yeah, that's a pretty cool book. I think that came out of his tutorials that he wrote. Which one? It's a Laravel cookbook, yeah, by Christopher Pitt, I think. So, what kind of stuff is in it? Uh, let's see. Let me pull up the table of contents. It's uh, it's a lot of kind of pr- uh, practical stuff. Like, I think he's got one chapter on deployment and uh, a few other things. Let me pull up the table of contents. I've got it right here. I think a lot of people have been really kind of looking forward to a cookbook. Yeah, yeah. It's got a cool cover too. So it's got um it's got some database stuff and like database seeding and, and layouts, um you know, resetting passwords and stuff like that. It's got a lot of kind of um practical things like actually creating a profile page, you know, it kind of walks you through a little bit more step by step, but it's a pretty cool looking book. It's already it's almost two hundred pages. Coming. It's like starting to become a, a framework joke that we all just keep releasing books. Because it's yeah. just it's nonstop every couple of weeks. Yeah. New book. It's a good thing, you know. It cr- couldn't be a bad thing. It's good for yeah. LeanPub, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The top six sales are all Laravel books. Yeah, and I'll probably <laughs> take another chapter or two of mine and just put it in the documentation um, because, especially, I think, um, well, like I did that with the extending the framework, like registering your own session handler stuff, because that was so kind of core to the framework that it felt wrong to kind of have that tied up in this book. So we made that just part of the reg- regular, you know, online documentation. And I might do that with another chapter, too. It's getting to the point where um, we might want to kind of transition out. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything else we want to cover here. It's too uh, bad. I actually like sitting here and talking to you guys, so... It always is sad when like the podcast is getting up to an hour, an hour and a half. No, you, yeah. you've been doing a good job. Like you're cranking them out. Like, oh after man, the first it's so one, hard. I thought it was abandoned. I was like, oh, that's too bad. I, I enjoyed listening to the first one, but you're cranking them out. Thanks, man. Like uh, we had a guy kind of uh, saying, oh yeah, I might like whatever podcast. I'm like, do it, do it now. I'm like trying to delegate as much new community production as possible. And, um, but he got, he got busy as, and life happens, you know, I, I totally get it. I've been in many projects where I was all gung ho about doing something and then, you know, I just couldn't keep it up. Um, yeah. So that kind of fell off and I really didn't want it to die. And I've made a lot of podcasts in my life and I really didn't want this one to go away. So, um, I think it's fun. This podcast, how it has a rotating cast. Mm hmm. I think that's nice. And like every every episode tends to be something different. Like we had one with Ian Lansman and Dan Syme and uh we were able to talk about business and open source and stuff like that. Then I don't know, there's a lot of fun stuff on this. So I, I really want to keep going and I'm I'm editing them less and less and feeling less uh, pressured to yeah. that guy who keeps up 
a very business like perspective on everything. If that no, I, I think it's funny when you start playing your podcast and it just it jumps right in, you know, and you can tell. Yeah. You know, I think it's fun. It's better than it being too uh, formal and business like. I'm getting some like feedback on that, and so sometimes people are, are one way, sometimes another way. But I think we're finding our voice over time. Yeah, definitely. Do we want to touch on the next Laravel release? Because that's coming up. Just kind of briefly mention what's going on there. Well, I have no idea what's going on the next Laravel release. I've been building oh. too many Laravel apps. I just have a clue. <laughs> okay, so if you didn't know already, Laravel is on a six-month release schedule now, and, and Laravel 4.0 came out in May. At the end of May, just you know, just about at the start of June, really, and so Laravel 4.1 will be at the end of November, you know, first week of December, that time frame, and um, we're not going to have any breaking changes or anything. So it will just be a composer update, and you should be good to go. Um, if you want to go ahead and try it out, you know, it would, it would probably be a good time to go ahead and composer update and and switch your dependency to 4.1 if you kind of want to beta test it a little bit and see if see if things work in your app and they should they should all work the same i think but anyway that will be coming out and uh it shouldn't be any big code changes or anything for that it should be a really easy upgrade and um let's see what else yeah, and we should have the the Laracon information out about the same time as well as um a new uh Laravel uh Project we've been working on should be out around this around the same time as well. So what does that mean? Of, a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you just top said something secret, about a new Laravel project, and then that was it. It's top, like, what does that top mean? Secret, top secret Laravel um, project we've been working on for the past couple of months. I tweeted about a real cryptic tweet about it. About a if you thought Laravel four was cool, wait till you see what we're gonna do next. And it's going to be pretty insane, I think. And uh, a lot of people are kind of they're kind of off in their guesses of what they're thinking of, but I under, it's understandable. Um, it's not something you're going to have to like rewrite your project for or anything like that. It's, uh, but it's going to be really cool. And uh, I, I'm not going to say anything else about it to you know any details until the day it, it launches totally. So it will be kind of like uh, an Apple type thing where like maybe there's a counter <laughs> on the website, yeah, and like it just boom, it's all there totally. You you can use it so. All right, well, if you need a beta a tester, idea. let me know. Okay, yeah, we'll get you in. We'll get some beta testers in. No, I mean, these teases you do, I think it drives people crazy a little bit. But oh, yeah, it's I love really it. It's my, it's my favorite part of doing Laravel <laughs> is just playing these, like, psychological mind games. It does. Like, every single time you do it, the whole channel is just destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> it's honestly my favorite part of developing Laravel. Anyway, it's going to be cool. It's going to be something I think a ton of people can use. And it's going to be easy to use. It's not going to be like this, this small group of people get to use this this feature. I think it's going to be something that's widely used. And it's not going to be, it's not anything you have to change your code base for. So don't worry about that. All right. Okay, well, I think we're uh, at about our time. So thank you both very much for coming on. Always a pleasure every time. Right. Thanks a lot. It's fun. Thanks, guys.